episode 448. What can you learn from the Samurai Way with Shane Fielder? The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Right, this week we're talking to a real live modern day samurai. We've got Shane Fielder on the line and he is the founder of Samurai Innovation. And we're going to be talking about leadership, productivity, and all things samurai in the modern world. So lots to dig into. Very excited for this one. Shane, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I am, Adam. Thank you. No worries. That was quite a brief introduction, obviously. Definitely the samurai thing caught my attention. So do, would you like to add or highlight? Is there anything I missed out? What are you all about at the moment? Yeah, so I have a couple different roles in life. And one of them, obviously, as you mentioned, with Samurai Innovation is that's my productivity business coaching business that we run. And so our, goal, our whole goal there is helping business leaders become more productive. And when you become more productive in your personal and business life, then you get a lot of better results. And so it's how do we harmonize those results? So that's my day job. Uh, my evening job and weekend job is actually being a samurai. So I'm a fourth degree black belt in the martial art of Aikido. Aikido is a Japanese martial art. One of the newer martial arts you would say over the last 110 years that's come on the scene. So it's, it's a great art. So I spend time in the dojo teaching and training and, you know, traveling to seminars when we can and when that's possible. Yeah. Uh, and so that's great. I have a wife and we have our only child, which is Samurai Claire, which is our German shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> so we end up doing a lot of training and having fun with her and, and that's life. It's a pretty robust life. So how long have you been into that? And also like give, just touching on your origins, where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? And uh, I'm curious as to what you thought you'd be doing at this point in your life. Yeah. So if you may or may not detect as we go through today's conversation, I'm Canadian and uh, so if I say a few Canadian words for the, for the audience, they'll pick that out. Yeah. Uh, I'm based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So that's great Western Canada. Uh, right above Montana for those who need a quick geography reference. Uh, basically for me right now, like this is where I'm coming to you from uh, in terms of where am I going? You know, and what am I about? So Samurai Aikido started over 27 years ago. Uh, came out of playing professional or amateur football for six years, was going into university. People were saying, Oh, you got to play for the university of Alberta golden bears and you got to go do this. And I was like, you know what? At that point in time, I realized this physical stature wasn't going to make the CFL or NFL. 
So why bust up my body for four yeah, or five years of college ball? Absolutely smashed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I, I had friends that had gone that route and, you know, by 30, they're, they're barely walking and, and I just didn't want that. It wasn't a, a fame that I needed to seek out. But I'd done some judo back in junior high school and I, and I was always attracted to the martial arts and I, I always thought there was something mis- mystical or uh, there that I wanted to understand, like how can you see these people of slender sizes or different shapes and sizes do you know seemingly inhumane feats and so i started doing some research i didn't really want to go back to judo it just seemed a little too rote for me at the time but i did some research and my cousin actually said well there's this like newer martial art and it's called aikido and there's this guy and you should maybe go check it out and i was so mesmerized by watching uh sensei tran was his name and he was a vietnamese guy small guy five foot ten and he was just manhandling men around the mat he was moving two, 300 pound men like they were pillows and just like, or a five pound bag of potatoes and throwing them 30 feet. And, and then he came over and he sat down next to me and he said, how do you like it? I said, I like it. Are you going to join? I said, yes. I said, yes, out of fear. So uh, he said, great. You have to come to my house for an interview tomorrow and I'll decide wow. if you'll join. And I went and had tea with him for three hours. And he gave me like the ultimate interview over three hours about who I was, what I was about, because his view was, I am transcending something that has been done for thousands of years. And my job as a teacher, as a sensei, is to impart that to you. And I really only want to work with serious people. And so he made sure that coming in, you had the right attitude and you weren't just there to learn a few simple techniques and go beat somebody up or, you know, look fancy at the bar or whatever. And so it was really like, that was the beginning of the training was that interview. And so then I went into it and I got into it and, and I went into it for about, uh, about a year. And then I quit because I, I was too afraid. I got to a point where I was looking down the mat at all the brown belts and black belts, and they were doing all this crazy rolling and tumbling and falls. And I just thought that this isn't for me. I'm never going to do this. So I walked away from the art for five months and there was this gnawing ache inside of me that said, you're better than this, go back. And so that was my first lesson in, you know, overcoming fear and anxiety and really digging into like a personal mission statement as to like, what, why do I want to do this? And where am I going? So I went back and I phoned Sensei up and he answered, I'll never forget the call. He answers the phone. He says, Oh, old man. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, what do you want? And I said, I want to come back to Aikido. He said, okay, come to my house. And that was a five hour tea. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And it was like, I got there at about seven o'clock at night and left at midnight. And he just, he really grilled me and we went through everything. And he said, you know, how you, how you train in the dojo is how you train in life. And he said, the attitude you bring to the dojo, Shane, is going to be the attitude you take to your business, to your family, to, to all the endeavors you want to do in your life. So this is a good place to get serious. Are you serious? And I said, yeah. And he said, okay, are you going to promise me that you're going to do this for the rest of your life. And I have to think about it for about wow, 10 minutes. I was going to say, it's quite a commitment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite a commitment. So I said, yes. Another, <laughs> he, he was an imposing individual. Like he was a yeah. man that commanded the room and commanded attention, but in a quiet, powerful way. And that was really where I started learning about like a concept of quiet power where, you know, as men and as leaders and people all over, you don't need to be the loudest person in the room. Uh, you don't have to have the flashiest suit, but you got to be able to, to deliver substance when you do speak or when you do do something uh, and the actions you take should have, should have value and, and deliver a result. 
So I went back and that was the point of no return. I never looked back since then. And, you know, another 26 years since that point, here we are today. I've classically trained all over the world, all over North America, in Japan. Uh, my current sensei lives in Japan. And so we go out there as frequently as we can. We bring him into Calgary as much as we can. And we have a network of other senseis that, you know, we all train and study under. So when did the Samurai Innovation come along? And when did you start to merge the welds and, and you know, bring it more into your professional side of things? Yeah, so I've always carried the leadership side of martial arts into all my businesses that I've been involved in. But I started Samurai Innovation 10 years ago. And I had an executive job. I was out in corporate Canada working and happy and doing that. And I started going to these meetings and conferences and started getting into the world of digital marketing and, and digital consulting. And I just had a friend and he said, you, you know, you're, I think you'd be really good at this. I know a couple guys across the room. Could you help them? And so I just said, sure, I'll, I'll help them. And I helped them and they got some great results and they said, no, you need to do this more. <laughs> and so I started my sideline business as Samurai Innovation. And so I did it on evenings and weekends. I did my day job and uh, managed a, a team of over 300 people and a huge operation. I was in a parking business at the time and continually just grew Samurai Innovation uh, to where it is today. And then about two and a half years ago, I would left my executive role and went full time in the business. How was that decision? Was that a struggle? Obviously, well, it was a transition over a long period. How was it to actually make th that full-time jump? It's something that everybody deals with. So at some point, if, if you're leaving the safety of a, of a good corporate position with all the benefits, it's also a set of handcuffs. And, it, you know, that safety and that security is very alluring for a lot of people. And then there's, there is a small group of folks that want to break out. And it's agonizing. I can identify. I, I went a year and a half to two years of, of it was probably two years prior where I said, I got to get out of here. Like, yeah. My business is growing. And it really changed one day when I was having, um, I was having dinner with a student of mine and he's a very successful entrepreneur and, we, and we're good friends and we were talking and he said, well, what's the math? And so when I ran the math, I realized on a per hour basis, I was making three to four times more money in my business than I was in my job. And that was, the, that was the deciding point was like, okay, well, it's just going to have a little bit of a gap, a window between scaling from a part-time level of income to yeah. going to a full-time aspirational level. And so once I got that clear, then the rest of it was, okay, what's the, what's the exit plan? It was funny you say that because last week I was actually reminiscing about that. And I thought I could have made that decision a year or two prior. Yeah. I could have just, yeah, I could have had two or three years sooner to scale but it's okay. We can't, we, we can't denigrate ourselves and beat ourselves up because everybody has a different path. Yeah. Everyone has that and everyone that, that has kind of breaking has to point as that. well when enough's enough and it like something simple like that, just looking at it and someone saying the right thing to you. It's the, what you needed to hear at the right time. I wondered how the samurai side of things, when it, how it comes into personal leadership and how it impacts a person's growth and some of the concepts that you use in your own work. What can we and the listeners learn from the, the samurai way? Yeah. So, we have a term in Japanese called zanshin and zanshin is greater awareness. And so technically on the mat or in the dojo, when we're training, uh, it's your awareness of training. It's your awareness of the partner that you're training with. It's the awareness of the dojo space. And, and then we take it to a higher level where we do something called randori, which is a multiple person attack. 
And imagine the scene of you sitting in Seiza, which is sitting in a kneeling position. And then 20 feet down the mat are four or five guys lined up sitting in Seiza. And the room is quiet and it's tense. And you're focused on these four or five guys. And then Sensei yells, Hajime! And that's start, go. And these five guys' sole job is to put you into the ground. Whoa. And you've got to withstand that for a minute to two minutes until Sensei feels that you've done a good enough job. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got five guys. And then sometimes he adds one or two. He calls one or two guys that are sitting in the line to add in. And now all of a sudden you think you're doing good with these four or five guys. And now you've got six or seven. And what are you doing? And that's when Zanshin takes in. It kicks in. And you have to just trust it. At that point, when you're at a higher level, you're, you're trusting in the training. You're trusting that you can just turn your, turn your mind off of the thinking part of it and just be and just relax into it. And it actually becomes a very pleasurable thing to do. Now, scary if you just tell that to a person who's never done it. Hey, what would you do with five guys coming down the alley at you? And how would you deal with that? But Zanshin is really great because I think a lot of people miss the opportunity to expand their view and their awareness. So instead of just sitting there saying, I got this project or I have this task to do, or I've got this meeting to go to, when you walk into the meeting, are you aware of the boardroom or the meeting room? Are you aware of the one or two people you're meeting with? Have you prepared for the meeting? And so it, it really transcends a lot of things to be prepared. And I've had former clients, employees, and they've always said that, how do you do that? And I said, how do I do what? You're cool as a cucumber in a meeting. Like it could be a tense meeting. Somebody's not happy with the results or somebody wants to amp something up and they want more results. And maybe somebody's upset across the table and you're just like cool the whole way through. And I said, well, I'm applying Zanshin in that moment. I'm just staying calm. I'm staying focused and aware of what's really happening. Like this guy might be screaming and yelling in front of me because he's upset about the results or whatever, but really what else is happening? And so I think that's, that's real high level, but we bring yeah. it right down to a greater level of awareness of what's happening around us. In life, we have outcomes and we have process. And that's really what the training in the dojo teaches is that I can't control the outcome. Like, these five guys are attacking me. They might put me on the ground. Maybe I put them on the ground, but I can control the process and I can make a decision and in that randori pattern, that multiple person pattern, we use three geometric shapes. We train a circle pattern, triangular pattern, and a square. Because those each shape has their own merits and strengths and, and, and deliverability. So we train that. And so in that moment, I have to decide instantly in a nanosecond, which pattern am I, am I going to run with these five guys? So now my focus is on the process. I focus on the circle. So I'm going to do the circle pattern and I'm just moving everyone very in a big sphere and I'm moving them around that way. I'm not worried about the outcome. I'm not worried about, did I get hit or punched? Uh, did I get taken to the ground? And when I worry about that, I get taken to the ground and I quote lose. When I run the process, I have a better chance at getting a better result. So we take that to our personal lives. And the question is, are you really focused on the outcome, the end goal or the result more than the process. Mm. So then whenever we transition clients to process thinking, we start thinking about what's your routines, what's your habits, 
What, let's get that greater level of awareness of where, how are you doing something today? How could you improve the way you do that something? And that's where people start to win is when they make small little shifts to the, the way they do things, the way they approach things. Instead of coming five minutes late for the meeting or getting up 15 minutes after your alarm, can you get up on time for a few weeks? Can then, can you add a one minute early sliver for three or four weeks? Next thing you know, six weeks later, you get, you're getting up right on time or three or four minutes before the alarm goes off. You haven't made this grandiose declaration to the world. You've just focused on the process. Building relationships. Relationships, they don't happen in a day and they don't fall apart in a day. They both happen over time. And so, you know, one of the things that I tell people is imperfect action done consistently over a period of time always yields monumental results. Yeah, so there's a lot that. in those 11 words, but that's the idea of translating that process. Love it. Focus on the process, definitely. You know, have an impact and do what you can in, in the world when there's you know, chaos or carnage happening as, uh, as things we can't control. So in your journey, when was the time where you really challenged, were really challenged and you had to fight to awaken your alpha? I mean, you mentioned a few periods there. There's been points of personal loss. So my mother passed away when I was uh, 22 years old. That was a definite event that I had to really make some serious choices about which way I was going to take my life. Um, thank goodness, you know, I had some good people around me and I was, I was in the dojo. I mean, I had my church and, and that family network. Uh, and that's an important. I mean, it really comes down to mind, body, and spiritual focus. Um, and then I also add on the emotional component. If you can take those four things, think through that in, in terms of the decision points that you're at, you know, very pivotal. Um, I've had business failures where I've been in a business and everything was going great. And then next thing you know, a recession hits really quickly and recessionary factors impact the business. And I sold part of my business and shut the other half down. And, and that's tough on a, it's tough on anybody's psyche to, to go through that and decide, am I going to pick myself up off the pavement and go forward? Or am I going to let this devastate me for 30 years? So I've, I've definitely had a few, I've had multiple moments where I've had to come back to the white belt mentality. I had to come back and say, okay, in this situation, I'm a beginner again. In this situation, I have to start over. That didn't work out the way I wanted because it was maybe too outcome focused. But now how can I change and, and transfer what I learned in that situation to a different situation? And so I've done that over and over and, and it's, been, it's been impactful. You mentioned with the, the samurai side of things, you know, heightened awareness and focus on the process, some more aspects that you bring into work with your clients. Well, I think one of the things is, you know, in, in training in the dojo, we call it the practice. And training with a sword, when you're doing sword training and you're doing sword cuts and you've got a, a wooden training sword or you've got a six pound sword in your hand, I mean, it can become as monotonous as lifting dumbbells and working out in the gym. Question we always have to ask ourselves is, why are we doing that? And so the, the next iteration, once you get to a certain level of, of mastery, you have to challenge yourself. So the, the analogy I can give you is, in Aikido and in most martial arts, going from white belt at the beginner's level to getting your first black belt is really all about mastering power. When we test somebody for black belt, can he or she get on the mat, execute flawlessly, and can they deliver the power? Mm. But after first degree black belt, we know you have the power. 
and now we're refining movement, grace, uh, and we're look we're really looking at internal stuff, and it's the refinement of you because eventually you move along this path to becoming a teacher, and to be a teacher requires another six to eight years of study on top of that before you can start say hey you're even <laughs> remotely qualified to start teaching people this stuff, and then when you start teaching people the art. It transforms you all again because you come up against your own doubts and fears like am i teaching it the right way am i am i going to help him or her learn it the right way because everybody learns differently so i take that back into the real world my clients are all different they all learn differently they all need different levels of support so that's uh that's really kind of a key thing to to realize but it comes back to that practice so instead of going at a project, a task and saying, I have to do this and, and grumbling your way through it. If you ask yourself the question, how can I make this a practice? Mm -hmm. If you've done the same proposal 37 times, or you've done the same procedure at work 300 times, how do you make the 301st time the next practice? How do you try and refine a certain aspect of your skill or your delivery in that as a practice? And that changes your whole focus from, I'm just doing this thing to do it. I'm doing it for the next time to it becomes an evolution versus a set number of reps. And we're going to move into the alpha round now. So I like to start off with, is there a particular all time favorite quote that maybe really sums up your approach to life? Uh, the sort of thing you might have up in your office. The one thing that I say to people is narrow the focus to widen the gains. Mm. And I have to remind that. I mean, I came up with that. I like that one. Yeah. Because it took so long for me to realize that. Um, so, I mean, there, there's, there's that quote that's been definitely transformational. Okay. Um, and obviously, you've applied that in terms of this samurai innovation and in not just, you know, helping people in a certain way, but bringing that kind of niche. Because obviously, there's a certain person who'd be like, oh, I like that. And like, it's, you know, narrowed the focus and other people would be like, ah, samurai stuff, not for me. So, you know, I love it. Yeah. When it comes to book recommendations, has there ever been a really impactful book for you? Um, or either the one that you just like to recommend or you read, you just read it at the right time. I would have to go back to the seven habits of highly effective people from Stephen Covey. Mm -hmm. um, because in my life, if I roll back to 1996, 1997, you know, that's where I had that business transition that was you know, part success, part failure. And I was really scraping as to, well, how do I not let this happen again? And that's where I became really in uh, like introduced to the whole realm of personal development in a structured way and seven habits came back and I read through that book. And then a couple of years later, I ended up taking a one year elite coaching mastery program with Franklin Covey um, and spent a year just really getting into that methodology and the impact of it. And I know he's going to talk about productivity and you know, the, the challenges some people have getting the, the balance and more people working at home I mean, what are your thoughts around that and anything people can apply and, and be mindful of? Yeah, it's so you have a choice to do like work-life balance. And I think that that's great. I, I've taken it a step further to work-life harmony hmm. uh, because balance to me is sometimes an either-or game. Whereas harmony is how do I make everything work together? Yeah. And so what I would encourage people to do right now is you know, whether you're working from home or at the office, or you've got a, a hybrid of a, a timetable that you're following question today in today's world has been, how do you harmonize all of those things together? 
And how do you harmonize now the fact that you might be doing something at one o'clock till two o'clock out of a personal nature because it's required because you have kids at home or there's something happening. And then how do you harmonize the fact that, well, you still have an hour of work to do. You want to get that project done or you want to get that next milestone accomplished. When are you going to get that done? And I think what's been interesting in the last year is we've seen a lot of people um, really have their foundations rocked because the rules that they grew up with have all been broken. Um, so the, the harmony aspect is just cut yourself a break, chill out and ask yourself, how do I harmonize these things together? So to me, it's structure equals freedom. So mm. really the harmony comes from changing your structure and adapting your structures to what you need today. And it can, it can ebb and flow. I've had clients that have done major commercial real estate transactions where they've sold, you know, a skyscraper for $300 million. You don't sell a skyscraper the way you sell a house. That takes <laughs> three or four months of due diligence and lots of meetings. And I remember my client calling me one day and he said, Oh, I got to stop. And I said, why? He said, I'm having belly problems. Like my stomach is killing me. I said, well, let's talk about it. And then we realized he was on his like 12th cup of coffee that day. <laughs> and I said, you know, Ken, <laughs> maybe, maybe you need to scale that back a little bit. And so we, it was just a reminder for him to stop, get that awareness, reassess that situation and realize, oh, I can make some better choices. But it was, you know, he was really near the end of that transaction and it was a, it was a tough point for him. So really let's look at the structures of where you're at today and reevaluate and, and be okay to renegotiate your structure and then have conversations with the people that are most important to you and your work life and your home life and ask the question like, how can we change this that works for everybody? Because maybe it is okay now to spend from three till five o'clock with the kids, helping them with their homework or getting them from school or getting them doing what they're doing. And then they know that it's okay that mom or dad are going to spend from 7.30 till nine o'clock at night doing some work stuff or, you know, fitting that in. But then what's your routine to bring closure to that work, give yourself yeah. some relaxation time and then get a good quality night's rest. And so it's really, a, it's been really interesting to see how the last year of our life here has really challenged our structure. And having gone through the bulk of the interview now from your network, when you think awaken your alpha, who would make a really good interview for the show and bring some value? Well, I can tell you an ideal guest that I would love to listen to, and I think he's probably really open to right now, is Matthew McConaughey. Oh, uh, yeah. He's been and he just, wrote, he just wrote a book, a new book called Green Lights, and I listened to it on Audible, and it was fascinating. Uh, and I've always appreciated him as an actor and mm -hmm. some of the different things that, that his viewpoints on work and professionalism and things like that. So if you could get him on the show, uh, I think that <laughs> might be... He's in a promotional mode right now, so that yep. might be great. And if people want to continue the conversation, what's the best way for them to follow up with you? Yeah, so they can email me at Shane at Samurai Innovation or go to SamuraiInnovation.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, LinkedIn.com forward slash Shane hyphen fielder. So it's easy to find me. There's lots of ways to do that. Um, the other thing I could offer today is I also have a productivity course that I've just put together and, and released out. And they can go to nofailplans.com. And I'm happy to purchase that as them being a listener to this show. So it's not a publicly available thing. Perfect. And on that note, I, I mean, in terms of closing out the show as well, you give us a teaser trailer of some of the potential productivity hacks or aspects around that. Because I know we talked about the, the work-life harmony and we yep. wanted to touch on productivity and anything else that you feel has been left unsaid that you wanted to get off your chest to kind of close the show. So I actually created a podcast and it's called This Week's Planner. 
So listeners can go to thisweeksplan.com and they'll forward over to my podcast show. And I really created that show because I've seen a constant theme with my clients. When I bring a new client on, it always comes back to weekly planning. It always comes back to how do I take a huge level of ambition? Because people listening to this show have too much ambition. They probably have three or 400 times more ambition than they have life and capability to do that. And so it really comes back to how do you harness that ambition? What's the most important piece to go after? And then when does it get transferred to clocks and calendars? Because it's really the only two planes that we live in. We have clocks and time and we have a calendar. And I think a lot of people get confused when they're trying to do stuff with it outside of those two planes, bring it back into that process. So I created this week's plan to really help people Go over some stuff that for this audience is probably going to be more of a reminder and a review, but I guarantee it'll be in a structured way that they may not have considered before. And it'll check off a few boxes and it'll get them going a little bit faster than, than maybe they have been going. So I'd really encourage them to check that out. Shane, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Adam. It's a pleasure. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Please do subscribe, reach out, connect, pick up a copy of Awaken Your Alpha Thousand Tactics to Thrive, available on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.